Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Chiefs Kingdom, welcome into another edition, the second edition of the AP Draft Room. We're getting ready for the 2022 NFL Draft in Chiefs Kingdom for the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm Ron Cobb, lead analyst at ArrowheadPride.com. And with me today, as they will be for every one of these pods, uh, for every week, we're going to come to you every Monday until the NFL Draft gets here in late April. Got my guys, Brian and Talon. Brian, I'm going to start with you today. Um, we're recording this before the Super Bowl uh, on Sunday, you know, Sunday afternoon, Super Bowl hasn't started yet. So don't ask us about what happened. Don't expect us to know what happened. What are the plans today for a, for a sad Chiefs fan as, as all three of us are, right? We're all three sad Chiefs fans watching the Super Bowl. What's your plans today, Brian? Yeah, Ron, I'm going to enjoy it. And uh, I know some people are probably really struggling with that right now, but I think part of, uh, you know, it, it takes longer to get to the game since they pushed it back where the Pro Bowl goes before it. And so there's quite a bit of time that passes. And we've already, as some of our listeners know, we've dove into draft film, uh, free agency thoughts, all that sort of thing. And so I'm just going to kind of enjoy it today. And and I think that is easier to do when you, you know, you've, for one, they've been there the last couple of years. We got to enjoy that. And honestly, um, there's no reason they can't get back there next year. So uh, might as well, might as well worry about that and not worry about what's already happened. So good luck to, to Cincinnati and the Rams, I guess, but I'm pulling big time for the Rams. Yeah. We're all Rams fans, right? Uh, no, it is weird. It's the first Super Bowl uh, that the chiefs are not in since they got to their first Super Bowl in 50 years. So it's just a weird process Talon. What are you doing today to, to, I mean, you're out there, right? You're, you're out in California on the West coast. Uh, what are you doing to take in the Super Bowl today? Yeah, man, the buzz is real out here. Everybody, it's hard, it's hard to ignore it out here, obviously. But um, uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited. I think it's going to be an, an interesting game. Not sure it's going to be a good game. Um, yeah, heading over to the in-laws, gonna gonna have some snacks and hang out with some people over there, and I'm looking forward to that. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's if you really want to find a silver lining, it's you gotta you gotta really look for it. But um, you know, it is a stress-free Super Bowl, and the last two haven't been. Um, yeah. So that's that's one thing. If you really want to think hard and look for a positive, that that's one. That's true. No, it is. Uh, there's no stress today for Chiefs fans. And in any, if anything, it gave us a little uh, head start to the offseason. And, and and as Brian as Brian mentioned, as as you listeners know, we've got a jump start on our draft prep, which has been nice because the last two years, you know, you're not in a draft season until probably a week or two after the Super Bowl because you're talking about the Super Bowl, you're reviewing the Super Bowl. We're ahead of the game now, but. As part of the draft process, it's not all about just the draft itself, right? We talked about that last week. We actually previewed uh, the position, the off seasons for positions like cornerback, safety, edge rusher, even just defensive line in general and receiver last week. Well, in that spirit, we're going to talk about some 2022 free agents, some unrestricted free agents that the Chiefs have to make a decision on, right? These are all guys that are just on the open market right now that were Chiefs in 2021. And we're going to start off with some really important players. I mean, this has been the talk of the entire uh, the city right now, obviously, the entire Chiefs kingdom. But we're going to play a little game here, guys. We're going to play a little game where I'm going to go down a list of players. We're each going to give our take on whether the Chiefs should re-sign them or let them walk in free agency, as, as in, hey, they're no longer Chiefs. They're going to go sign with another team. And to start off the game, we're going to start with the biggest name uh, on this list, and I think it is, uh, Safety Tyron Matthew. Obviously, two-time All-Pro in Kansas City the last three seasons. You know, there's been some weird talk all season with them, right? You know, uh, why didn't they get the extension done last seat last summer? You know, he kind of kept saying, I want to be here, but nothing came from it. And all of a sudden, during the season, we get some social media stuff, some cryptic tweets. Now, after the season, he's already basically saying he's out the door. 
on Twitter. But then at the NFL honors, he talks about he wants to be here. Right. So uh, it's it's been a really confusing process. But I'm going to start here, man. I just think it, at his age and where he's at and what contract he could demand and what other, you know, what other teams could ask uh, to or sh- could propose to him. I mean, as, as much as he wants to be here, man, you know, he I just don't think the Chiefs want to pay him what other teams can. And I just think that's going to result in him walking um, and the Chiefs kind of having to regroup and, and, and reshuffle their defense and kind of, uh, you know, get more players at the safety position and kind of find their next guy. But I just think you can't pay for you can't pay someone for what they've already done. You got to pay them for what they're going to do. And I don't know if I think we've already seen the peak of Tyron in a Chiefs uniform. So I'm going to say let walk talent. I'm going to throw it to you. Uh, give your take on the Tyron situation. Yeah, as hard as it is, I agree. Uh, I think you have to let him walk once that price point gets to a certain spot. <clears throat> Obviously, there's there's desire on both sides, apparently, that you know they want to continue this relationship, bring Tyron back. Um, what that deal looks like in the eyes of Brett Veach, and if that matches what Tyron wants. I don't know. And and that's going to, you know, that's going to obviously drive whether or not he's in a chief's uniform next year. But if it's me, I think this is going to be a walk situation. And, and, uh, and when they signed Tyron, you know, back with the original deal that he was brought in to do exactly what he did, help this defense get to a Super Bowl, win a Super Bowl. Uh, he got him one, help him get to two. So you can't discount what he has done for the chief's organization. And that has nothing to do with this decision. You hear it all the time. The NFL is still a business. So I think moving forward, I think the safety position is where you have to start getting younger and youthful and, and finding those long-term guys. And, and I just don't know if Tyron is a long-term guy at the safety position. Not anymore. Yeah, so I Talon kind of sold me a, a different direction just right there. Uh, entering this, I would have probably said, you know, give him your best offer and test out that idea that the Chiefs culture is so strong that guys are going to, you know, take a little bit of a sweetheart deal to stay. And I think Tyron might do that. But just listening to Talon go over that process, I think he's he's right. And I think maybe they do just need to go ahead and, and let him go a separate way. Because if this defense is going to be overhauled the way that we kind of think it's going to, they're probably better off just really rinsing off the, the leadership of this past three years and kind of letting the new guys create their own identity. And so there's no crossover and and confusion that way. So, yeah, I'm going to say go ahead and let Tyron walk and um, best of luck to him wherever he goes, because he obviously did some great things here in his time. Yeah. And that's the thing. Other teams are going to want him in their building. Right. And so that's why I really think he's going to he's going to not be able to refuse some of the offers he's going to get on the open market as a two time, three time all pro first team all pro safety. Actually, he got one. When he was with the Cardinals. Next player, though, we've all talked about him a little bit. Uh, if you followed us on the AP film room during the season, we, we talked about Orlando Brown Jr. quite a bit. Uh, Talon, I'm going to let you start off with this one. Yeah, and this is a, a hot topic, right? You know, what do you do with Orlando Brown? Do you just let him walk? Do you tag him? Do you tag and sign? Do you tag and trade? Do you just sign him to a long-term deal and get it over with? Um, there's a lot of options on the table, and, and really a lot of them are viable, and, and, and there's arguments to be made for every one. But I think the best solution and the most logical solution is to just to, to slap the tag on him, um, give him another year with the Chiefs, because really, and we've talked about it before a little bit, but the alternatives to Orlando Brown at this juncture just don't seem to be uh, that much of an improvement, if any improvement at all. So, yeah, put the tag on him, give him another year, uh, see if he can improve on those areas that we really you know, look for him to improve on uh, to be that elite left tackle. So if he does that, you can obviously throw out the long-term deal then and, and, and get him signed uh, with the organization for, for the future. But um, And then if he doesn't meet those expectations, then then the conversation start up again about what to do with him. So uh, at this point, you just, you just put the tag on him. Um, I'm, so those who have read the article I put out a couple weeks ago kind of already know the answer here. But for me, um, with Orlando Brown, I am going to tag him at a minimum because we already have too many other holes. Can't afford to have a gaping hole at left tackle. But I'm actually going to be okay with an extension as long as they are um, actually going to evolve this offense and and kind of embrace all the powerful physical talent they have. If Andy Reid and, and the staff that he's going to have offensively 
you know, if they're comfortable saying, yeah, we're, we're going to do some different things next year that really um, are best for this offensive line and what they do, then I say go ahead and, and get that cap number down this year by giving him a four, maybe a five-year extension. What no, I think I think that's a great point, Brian, because, yeah, if, if they really do want to, you know, commit themselves to being a different type of offense, right? And, hey, we're, we're in the middle right now. We do not know if Eric Biennium is going to be back next year. You know, that could be something there could be something to that in terms of there could be a shakeup on offense, the offensive philosophy. Who knows? We might see an outside person come in and become offensive coordinator for Kansas City. We don't know for sure yet. And and I actually do think the fact that there are even reports about this happening kind of tells you that it's there probably might there's probably gonna be a separation. Um, which you know, hey, at at some point when it's when EB's not getting a head coaching job, you, you know, sometimes you just gotta shake it up, right? You know, get him somewhere else so maybe he can get it from there. So I would say franchise tag too, um, but I do think Brian, if if they are ready to commit, like you're saying, to a, a different style of offense, just get it done, man. Just just get them there. Uh, Talon mentioned, what kind of alternatives do you have? I mean, you're talking about protecting your franchise quarterback and just being a you know having a good offensive line in general. Why don't you just keep the guy that that played pretty well this year? Not obviously perfect, but played pretty well. Obviously, is going to get better and better. He's still a young guy. So I'm definitely down to franchise tag Orlando Brown or 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 just sign him. Right. Um, but I, th- I think I'd rather lean franchise tag this year just to make sure um, just to just to see what happens with him in his second year in the, in the with the Chiefs. But we're going to go to the third player. That is edge rusher Melvin Ingram obviously got signed in the middle of the season. And now is, all of a sudden is one of the biggest names on the Chiefs defense and someone that we're all going to be, uh, you know, really curious to see what happens with him this offseason. Brian, start us off on this one. I'm doing all I can to bring Melvin Ingram back. Uh, He's one where he was only there for half a season, so he's not really a super extended holdover from from the regime if they do let Matthew and and Clark go. Um, But I just I think he brought so much good energy to the defense. He fit in really well, played as good as any defensive lineman on the roster in the back half of the season. And so even though it might take several months for him to commit, I'm definitely getting that dialogue going and, 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 and saying, okay, let's, let's kind of get a verbal agreement in place that you're going to sign, you know, whatever date that's going to be um, and fill a, you know, a starting role play, hopefully 50, 60% of the snaps. Yeah, you're right about the whole, it might take a while. Uh, I think that's what happened last year is he just didn't want to go through OTAs. He didn't want to go through, I mean, he signed before training camp, so I guess he doesn't mind going through training camp. But uh, yeah, but my thing with this and, and my answer actually to this is let walk. And and it's not because I don't want him back. I, I would love to have Melvin Ingram back in a Chiefs uniform. I think what happened this year, though, is exactly what he wanted to happen, which was I'm going to get on a contending team, which obviously at first he he wasn't, and then he got on the Chiefs. but just in general this season, he proved to the rest of the NFL that he's still got a lot of juice left in the tank. You'd think at least, I mean, I, it looked like it, right? You just mentioned it. He looked like the best pass rusher on the chiefs. Uh, and that's a team that has two of the most, the two of the highest paid passers in the NFL on their team. Melvin Ingram comes in, looks like looks better than both of them at times. And I really think another NFL team is, is, you know, maybe an instant, you know, a team that wants to contend right away, a team that's just maybe a, a pass rusher away. They think someone's going to throw the bag at him. You know, I think there was a lot of injury stuff about, you know, last year. I think a lot of injury scares kind of made teams maybe not commit to him, uh, you know, as much. That's why he was able to sign for just that that cheap one-year deal late in the in the offseason. But I think this year it's going to be a different story. I think teams are going to want to throw, you know, a good amount of money at him, multi-year deals, even though he's in his early 30s, almost mid-30s. And I just, I don't know, it's not good business for the Chiefs to be signing guys that old uh, to multi-year deals. But hey, if he if he wants to try to win another ring, I think this is a great place to do it, and that might be his priority, right? So, Talon, what do you got on Melvin Ingram? Yeah, and and you actually kind of hit on it right there at the end. I think right now his and I don't know for sure, but I, in my opinion, I think his personal motivation right now is, is to get that ring. And look, he played for the Chargers the entirety of his of his career. Then he went to Pittsburgh. Now he's in Kansas City. He's moved around a lot recently. You know, why go to another team? with the potential of being a t- contender, you know, depending on who that may be. Um, you know, I, you look at the teams with a lot of salary cap and you look at the Colts, he, they, they might be a team that do, do it. But um, in reality, I think Melvin Ingram is better suited to, to bring back, re-sign him um, because he's going to give leadership to your locker room. He's going to give production on the field. Um, 
he's he he has that desire still to make the Super Bowl. That 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 taste is in his mouth from from last season. Um, I say last season was two weeks ago. Um, but but yeah, I, I think this is a guy that really has that hunger still, and I I think he wants to to to, to do it and do it with the Chiefs, and he's proven that he can be productive in Spagnuolo's uh, defense. So why not bring this guy back? And and I think I think there's mutual desire there. Yeah, you mentioned Spagnolo. I, I think that's another thing, too, is he has a veteran D.C. with him. He kind of, you know, he might feel comfortable in that. He might feel comfortable with Brandon Daly, who's one of the most decorated defensive line coaches in the NFL at this point. He might just say, hey, I'm in the best situation possible. What's the point of of going elsewhere? So I, I, I think that's a great point, Talon. And this is where this is where it comes down to where we're speculating, right? We obviously can't get into these guys' heads and know exactly what they're thinking um, in terms of what motivates them, but... This next guy is really interesting. It's cornerback Charvarius Ward, obviously an undrafted free agent to start his NFL career, got traded to the Chiefs for a fourth round uh, guard that never panned out to do anything. So, I, you know, that's one of Veach's first deals and he knocks it out of the park. Obviously, you get a starting cornerback for a guy that never plays again. But now we're getting to the point where we, you got to pay him like a starting cornerback. And that's where it gets a little iffy. I'm starting on this one. I think you just naturally have to let him walk and and. You know, I, I love Charvarius. I think he, he he really fits what Spagnuolo wants from a cornerback. But I also think he's the perfect example of why sometimes in this system specifically, you don't need to invest a lot in cornerback because you can get guys that are just long, lengthy, and, and, and want to play physical. Well, when you have really good safety help over the top, I mean, that's really all you need. And those guys you can find. You know, that's why a guy like Bashad Breeland was able to be signed to one-year deal back-to-back years. You know, he's he's that, that's just one example. But. You know, guys like Rashad Fenton, you know, he was he wasn't sought after in the draft, um, maybe because he wasn't, you know, the most athletic guy. But that physicality really, brought, you know, has become, you know, made him a, a really good NFL player, you know, a starting level kind of corner. So all that to say, you'd love Traverius Ward. We're going to find another guy like him um, style wise. They're going to have to. I think they like that length and physicality, but it's not going to be from him because I really do see an NFL team throwing, you know, three or four year deal at him for quite a bit of money and I'm going to be happy for him, but it's just, it's just hard to see that coming in, in Kansas city. But Brian, what is your opinion on Traverius? Yeah. Hard to follow that up. I think you hit on all the, the main things that need to be considered. And what I would just add from my perspective, when I say go ahead and let him walk is at a minimum, I would start earmarking some cornerback money for the luxurious Sneed types. I would even prefer to extend Rashad Fenton, if you said, hey, you can give them twin deals, um, I would rather give the money to Fenton than I would Ward. I think Fenton, um, you know, he's he's got some more upside as he, as he goes here. But, uh, yeah, so you're going to let him walk. And like you said, you're going to be happy for him because I think he's going to get a pretty nice deal out in the open market. Yeah, I agree with you guys. I think this is a guy that you 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 let hit the open market. And yeah, I agree. I think he's going to get a, a decent deal because um, he's played well for the Chiefs. He's 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 uh, gotten a lot of good reps, put a lot of good things on tape. So someone is going to want to bring him in and, and and pay him handsomely to do so. And the Chiefs just aren't going to be able to match that deal. And um, that's just the way it goes sometimes. So yeah, time to time to move forward and find someone else. Well, yeah, and you know we're doing this predictively, right? Or we're not doing this. I should say we're doing it in terms of what we would do. Um, that's how I wanted to frame it. But we also have to acknowledge that Brett Veach's history in terms of investing at the cornerback, he just hasn't really done it. You know, no high draft picks. I know we've talked about it over and over. You guys know at this point how how that goes. But next, we're gonna try to get these a little quicker now. Um, but these next, we're gonna start doing pairs, right? And and we got a few interesting dilemmas in terms of a couple guys at each position that, that need to be thought about. And the first one I think is maybe the most important is that a little interior defensive line duo. We got all of a sudden and Jaron Reed and Derek Naughty both hitting unrestricted free agency at the same time. Derek Naughty's at the end of his rookie deal. You know, I thought that might've been a guy that they maybe extend last season, last summer. And then Jaron Reed obviously gets signed last year to a one year deal. And now he's a free agent again. It had a kind of a, a roller coaster year a little bit as a, as this in his first year in, in the chiefs uniform. Brian, what do you think about both these guys? What would you say to both of them? Let's start with Reed. Um, he did come on kind of strong as the year went on, started to look like the type of player they thought they were getting from the get-go. But he's getting up there a little bit. You know, I think he if he's not going to be 30 this year, he's definitely right there. Um, and so if he costs what I think he might cost, I'm going to let him walk. Unless it's just a lot cheaper than I'm anticipating I'm going to let him go. And when it comes to Nadi, um, 
Nani was on the injury report basically all year, and his snap count was reduced. And I think a lot of that was because of the injury and him just being less effective. But his best self is a really, really good run stopper at that one technique uh, next to Chris Jones. And I'd like to bring him back on maybe like the veteran salary benefit type of deal where it's a one-year deal. Let him kind of prove his his worth again, healthy. Um, and he'll make a little more money than he would probably from another team while the Chiefs save a little bit on their cap because they have had him on the roster for four years. That's kind of complicated. But, yeah, I'm going to keep naughty if I can. Yeah, and real quick, Jaron Reed is 29 years old. He'll turn 30 next December. So, yeah, you are – that is kind of a delicate age, Talon. What are you thinking about these two defensive tackles? Um, it, it, you know, I'm going to let both of them walk. And as tough as that is, you're losing a lot of bodies in that interior defensive line room. We still got Chris Jones, um, who's an all-pro caliber player. But the, the development and growth of Tershawn Wharton, um, I don't know if he's ever going to be, you know, an every down defensive lineman. But um, when he's on the field, he does good things. And maybe the, maybe the coaching staff is ready to give him a, a more prominent role. Um, but there are options in, in free agency and stuff that, are very intriguing. And, and when you look at Naughty specifically, um, yes, he has been injured, but you know, he doesn't offer much in the way of a pass rush. He's kind of that one dimensional guy. Um, and, and I think when you, you know, you look at the offensive line and the defensive line, and if you're approaching them the same way, you want versatility across the board. Um, and Derek Naughty just didn't offer that in a lot of ways. So, um, and then Jaron Reed, I just think his time in Kansas City is up. I, I think uh, this was kind of mutually a one-year stop and uh, let's get you, you know, see where you can go, uh, maybe get you a ring, maybe not. But um, yeah, I, I never thought that was going to be a long-term thing. Yeah. I, I had a thought that maybe it could be, you know, maybe he proves himself enough where they just know, Hey, you know, Reed looks like a really good player that we could sign for a multi-year deal after this. Um, and, and Naughty, I, I always thought Naughty it might be kind of hard to see him resign because of what you just mentioned, Talon, that, that lack of versatility. He really is just a one tech. He really is a really good run stopper. He really is. He's, he's a good run stopper, but not much besides that. He'll bull rush a guy into a quarterback slap, but he's never going to give you much pass rush upside. That said, I would actually resign Derek Naughty just be basically just because I don't think anyone's going to pay him anything. I really don't think so especially in today's NFL, you can get those one tech. You just get them in the draft. Just find a huge guy in, in college that plug, you know, did that for a living in college. And you got your one tech for the next three or four years. That's exactly what Derek Naughty was. He got him in the third round. He was a great one tech for four years. So I don't think he's going to have much of a market. I think the chiefs do want to retain some sort of bodies there. If they're going to be losing, you know, potentially Melvin Ingram, Jaron Reed, you know, obviously if they do lose, uh, you know, naughty, but you know, Alex Okafor too is, is, is the guy that's not going to be back. Probably. I'm going to say resign naughty just because it's going to be a cheap, cheap deal and let Jaron Reed walk next positions though. We're going to look at re receiver, which is going to be interesting this offseason. Obviously, uh, Byron Pringle and Demarcus Robinson are both unrestricted free agents. I'm going to do it real quick here. I think this could be a quick one for us. Uh, I'm resigning Byron Pringle, although I could see, him demanding quite a bit on the open market, maybe. Maybe one team really likes his potential or really likes what he's done and thinks, hey, if this guy's our number two and Kansas City was always a number three or four, maybe we can get more out of him. Um, at the same time, though, it's going to be a really saturated market this year in terms of receivers. And so I think it's Byron. I think he'll come back on a friendly deal. And do not bring back in Marcus Robinson. Do not let him back in the building, please. Nothing against him. He's been great. He's been awesome in terms of just part of the community durable guy but you know it's it's time it is time uh talon do you agree with me on those two yeah 100 um and i do think you have a point to where pringle might have a little bit of a market because we've seen teams approach ex chiefs receivers before chris conley uh albert wilson guys like that so you know it, it could happen but yeah for me bring pringle back i like what he's shown i think there's still a lot of room where he could get better and he offers um, offers you a, a stability at kick and punt returner. So, um, and then yeah, Demarcus Robinson. There's there's no reason to bring him back. I, I don't know if there's an argument for that, but um, but I don't know. <laughs> Maybe Ryan has one. No, we got to get him off the football team. And it's nothing nothing really personal. That kind of is. I get tired of watching him run backwards. <laughs> but now he he's had his time. It would be better for him. It would be better for the team. Just go somewhere else. See if you can latch onto a different type of role. Um, so yeah, Robinson gone. I would like to get Pringle back. That's kind of a complicated scenario. Cause like if, if they do sign, um, 
kind of a better free agent at that position, he may be less inclined to come back just knowing that, okay, my role, I'm probably not a starter anymore. Cause I think McColl's going to kind of hold on to what he's doing and take reps that way. Um, so it's more of a wait and see. I'd like to have him back as, as depth, but I don't know if he's going to want to do that once he realizes that it's a different situation. And that's a good, that's a great point, Brian, because, you know, we, sometimes it's easy to forget that it's a two way street in these deals, right? I mean, just because Pringle's been here doesn't mean he necessarily wants to come back. He may want to go find, you know, Chris Conley, he's kind of been able to go find other opportunities, obviously not in great places, uh, Jacksonville and Houston, but he's been able to go find other starting opportunities. Um, you know, and maybe Pringle will just think, Hey, there's no room for me here. I want to still be able to produce and score touchdowns in the NFL. I got that taste this year right now. You know, I, I don't want to give that up and go back to being a special teams guy m- mostly. So that's a great point, Brian. I, I do want to make sure we remember that it is a two way street. These, these guys on the other side, they want to negotiate as well. It's not just them wanting to be back and the chiefs deciding whether or not they should come back. So great point. These next two might be a little quick too. Um, I would, I would imagine. So Brian, I'll let you start off with what you want to do with safety. Daniel Sorensen and linebacker Ben Neiman. Sorensen, his career, I think, is really over, and he'll always have a little bit of, uh, you know, legend to him as far as Chiefs fans go because he made these big plays and and big moments from time to time. But this year was the kind of season on tape, as we know, because we reviewed it so much, is the kind of season that kind of might end a guy's career. And he, that no other team, he doesn't have value to any other team. And at this point, he doesn't have value to the Chiefs either. So I think that it's a wrap for him. Um, and then with Neiman, while I could see them bringing him back, um, even if it's like a deal where he might get released during training camp, I would go ahead and move on. I don't want to end up in that situation where it's even a possibility that he's the dime linebacker again. It's time to get one of these young guys uh, transitioned into that role. So I'm letting him walk as well. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think Dirty Dan – and I've said it kind of jokingly before, but, you know, maybe give him a headset. Maybe maybe he can contribute some to the coaching staff. There's been some turnover there, so maybe there's a spot for him there. But, um, yeah, there's not a spot for him on the active roster, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, and then same with Ben Neiman. He just, he just hasn't done enough to warrant a new contract, and um, he's more of a liability on the field than he is, you know, any value. So um, nothing against him personally. It's, it's, it, this is football, man. If you, if you can't produce, you're not, you, you shouldn't be around. So, um, maybe he can find somewhere else. I know, you know, his brother's a charger. Maybe they got a spot for him, but um, <laughs> you, know, you never know. Yeah. I'm sure he'll find a, a place on a, he'll be a, a special teamer on, on another team. And yeah, if you're an AFC West team, might as well steal a guy from the chiefs. Although it wouldn't, you know, it'd be addition by subtraction. Um, but, uh, yeah, I'm saying let walk too on both of them. I, yeah, I, I actually do think Sorensen will probably just retire. I feel like I, I don't see any other team. I, I, I guess I could see a team maybe, thinking he could be a good special teams guy and and uh you know offering him a, a deal you know some teams really value that you know built you know lo- uh, i guess like lower tier teams in terms of trying to build back up they really value those veterans that can kind of you know have championship uh experience and can kind of help you know young players come along but uh it's not gonna be in kansas city or, or at least i hope not but you know we gotta we gotta acknowledge that juan thornhill is the only safety really on the roster as of this point right now I mean, I guess Dane Anderson and Devon Key, if you count them, but um, they they might think about it, guys. They, they just be prepared for that. They might have to think about it a little more than we want them to. Uh, a couple last ones here: uh, running back Daryl Williams and running back Jarek McKinnon are both unrestricted free agents now. The running back position in Kansas City is a weird one, I will say. Um, it's it's kind of hard to you know. This year there was one guy that looked like the starter, the next guy looked like the starter. Uh, just kind of kept going, and then these two towards the end really flip flopped on which one. Uh, look to be the better running back. Brian started off. What do you think about how the Chiefs should handle Daryl Williams and Jarek McKinnon? This is one that uh, some fans probably aren't going to, you know, love to hear me say. I, I'm Daryl Williams, kind of a fan favorite in a weird way, but I'm ready to probably move on there. And it's just because I think his upside, his ability to create yards on his own, and and he's just very average at like everything. You know, there's no gaping hole in his game, but there's no strength where he's helping the team that much more than any other running back would. So I think I'm going to move on and let him seek opportunity elsewhere. 
And then with McKinnon, I'd like to bring him back or at least somebody who's like him. You know, he's, he's getting older. He's got injury history. So maybe it's, maybe it is a, a Damian Williams reunion. I, that's unlikely too, but I want a running back like that who can replicate some of the explosiveness that those type of guys have like McKinnon. So I'd probably bring him back uh, on that minimum. Yeah, man, Brian, you, you, I don't know. You, you've gotten me torn here because this, this is a tough one. Um, and I, I think I'm going to stick with what I originally went and I'm going to re-sign both of them. Um, the running back room dealt with injuries kind of all season long and they never really had that true running back by committee at all at once. Um, not for an extended period of time anyway, but I want to see what all three of these guys can do in the same room together for a full season behind this offensive line. Um, and another thing is if the coaching staff isn't going to start running the ball more, just keep the same guys. Don't, don't bring in new guys to, you know, throw money at and um, to not utilize, like just, just, just resign the guys we have that know the playbook and they, they know their role and they know how to, you know, uh, work in the offense. So um, for those reasons, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and bring both of them back. Yeah, no, that's, that's a fair point, right? I mean, yeah, it, you keep the guys you have, you know, the guys that know the offense. Daryl Williams, I mean, he knows the offense better than any running back, you know, obviously the Chiefs have had because he's been here since 2018, which is still mind-blowing sometimes to think about. He was scoring – he scored a touchdown in the 2018 playoffs. I mean, that was – that's ridiculous to think about sometimes. I am going to agree with Brian here. I think I think you let Daryl walk um, for kind of what you mentioned, Brian. It's just – I really thought he was coming on. I really thought towards the end of the season he started to show something. Actually, it was that Cincinnati game um, week 17 where I was like, whoa, uh, Daryl might have just proven that he is a starting back. And then uh, – that was, I might have jinxed him. Hey, I'll, I'll put it up. I might have jinxed him because uh, as soon as that happened, he just didn't really show much else. Obviously, he gets hurt a little bit, so that hampers him. And maybe that's all it is. But um, yeah, I'm good. I, I, you know, I, I would rather just resign Jarek McKinnon. Um, I do, I do think. Although, hey, man, with his playoff run, maybe, a, maybe a team really likes to sign him back. We know this. The NFL valued him as a forty million dollar contract running back you know four years ago so maybe that that revampment of his career in the playoffs maybe a team wants to take a bet on him so i do i don't think that'd be the, the case with daryl so if Jarek's all of a sudden a hot commodity i'm i'm fine with bringing back daryl but i don't i i don't want to bring back both of them necessarily um but Callan, you make a good point because it is nice to have guys that know the offense and those and these guys definitely do and Jarek, you know he, he we didn't see him a healthy healthy all year i mean if he's healthy all next year and he's back with the team you know he could have a lot a lot larger of a role but one last player we're going to talk about before we hit break and it's it's a very interesting one actually because it's andrew wiley and at first you say oh well why resign him right you know there's no you know he doesn't he's not a starter anymore he doesn't bring much value although he had to start because of lucas niang's uh injury but you know, I said resign. I'm going to start off here. I re- I'll resign him because obviously no other team, and this is as true for him, probably more than any other guy we've fought, talked about, no other NFL team is going to value Andrew Wiley like the Chiefs will because of how he knows the offense, his versatility, being able to play guard and tackle. Um, and and right now, with where Lucas Nying has, is at with his injury, right tackle is something where, and we'll talk about it after after the break, but they might just need a little stopgap maybe to to help Niang get past his injury and get him back in the lineup. And Wiley's probably as good as bad as any um, just because he knows the offense. And he, he honestly didn't do a terrible job uh, filling in um, overall. Could have been worse. But, Brian, what are you thinking on Andrew Wiley here? Definitely keeping him. Um, he's, at a minimum, a great sixth offensive lineman for three to four positions. And he's not going to cost he, – he's way more valuable to the Chiefs than he is any other team knowing the offense and, and haven't played those spots in the offense. So I'm keeping him. Yeah. Same. Uh, make it three, uh, make it a sweep. Yeah. Uh, bring him back. I, I love the fact that he can play four positions. The only spot I would just say, absolutely not is left tackle. Um, yeah. Even in a true pinch, he probably could. Um, yeah. But that's you're in a, you're in a real pinch if that's the case, but um yeah, bring him back. I, I think I think he brings a lot of value to the team, for sure. Yeah, and hey, maybe this is a situation where he wants to try to go start somewhere else, maybe. This is maybe a situation where he himself um, decides, hey, I want to try to go somewhere else and make a name for myself elsewhere because right now he's not the starter, right? He 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 is a replacement for Lucas Niang, and I, or, you know, and I think he knows that. He's kind of a swing tackle type more than a starter. Um, 
if I'm him, though, I, I would think he'd be smart enough to understand that his, he's probably best suited to stay here where he knows the offense. And, and they love him. I mean, the Chiefs love Andrew Wiley. I mean, it's 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 a fact. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say I'd say that's probably smart for him to maybe want to stay here. But that's all we got for the resign or let walk. I'm going to throw it to break. And then when we come back, we're going to talk a little more about other positions on the 2022 roster. <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back in on the AP Draft Room. Thanks for listening. Make sure you're listening to all the other podcasts on the AP Podcast Network. We're just getting started here in draft season. And as I said at the top, you know, draft season is not just about the draft process, the prospects, all that. It's about the offseason in general, about free agency preview. And one thing we want to do on this podcast is talk about how the Chiefs, you know, add to the roster, even if it's not on the draft, whether it's in free agency. And last week we talked about a few positions. We want to add on to that. We're going to talk about a few more positions. We're actually going to be talking about offensive tackle, running back, and linebacker here. But first, you know, Brian brought this up, and I do think it's important to note. You know, it's always it's always interesting to see how the Chiefs try to add to their roster, what kind of avenues they take, right? Well, one thing we've seen li- lately is that they want to they want to maybe look to the CFL route, right, Brian? Uh, two CFL players were signed recently: uh, one defensive end, Jonathan Woodard, and one cornerback, Brandon Dandridge. Which actually, he's from Lee Summit, Missouri, so local kid. Shout out him. That's always cool to see. But, Brian, I just wanted to open the floor for you to kind of what your thoughts are when you see Veach go after CFL guys. I mean, is that, you know, is that something you like to see or what kind of your thoughts there? I, I do. It's it's fascinating because those who listened just a few weeks ago, well, Veach was saying, hey, it's kind of hard sometimes when you're drafting at the very end every year and you don't have a ton of cap space necessarily because they have big ticket players already. You've got to get really creative to try to find those diamonds in a rough and no GM man, he's got his faults and he, and he's over aggressive at times, but no GM is better at exploring all options uh, than Veach is. Do we have high expectations for this defensive end Woodard or the cornerback Dandridge? No, you shouldn't have high expectations. They probably aren't going to make the 53, but if they do, if they do nothing else, but make that roster, that's a home run hit because it costs next to nothing to add them to the team. Um, and so I'm glad that he's taking advantage of just every possible avenue because who knows, they might they might hit a home run, like I said, and, and have a cheap uh, contributor at some key spots there. No, I do like that you brought this up because it kind of shows you that maybe uh, he's kind of evolving at the GM or just kind of, hey, he is a really young GM. I mean, he's one of the youngest GMs in the NFL. You know, there's some things that he's probably going to pick up as he goes. Like, hey, maybe this is a way I can do this. Hey, maybe I can look internationally towards Europe you know some we've seen NFL players get taken from those those Europe leagues not you know it's not a very high success rate but there are some players that are from that kind of thing so yeah you know it is kind of cool to see Veach expand his his thoughts on that so after that though we're going to talk here on offensive tackles a little bit because it is an interesting position we all wanted the franchise tag or at least keep Orlando Brown so with that in mind you got Orlando Brown Jr. on the roster in 2022 then after him, this is what we got. We got Lucas Niang coming off a patella tendon tear. So, and that happened, you know, late in the season. So, obviously, I you can't really expect him to be back for any of the offseason stuff. I wouldn't think. Um, but who knows? You know, Eric Fisher actually got back pretty quick from his Achilles compared to what you'd think um, last year. So, Lucas Niang, behind him, all you got is Prince Tega Wanogo, who obviously was a guy that, you know, was kind of a, a, a draft pick that, you know, people like before the draft. I know here at the KC Draft Guide, we kind of we kind of liked him. I shouldn't say we, but AP, you know, the guys at AP liked him before. And then Roderick Johnson was signed to a future reserve deal, which, you know, I I know he was on the Texans at one point. Um, he's kind of been around a little bit, but he's a reserve future deal guy. But anyway, those are the only things you got on the 2022 roster right now. And with Niang's injury in mind, we all wanted to re-sign Andrew Wiley too, so you kind of keep him in the mix here, but. Talon, I got. I want to get your thoughts on. Do you think they need to add via free agency to the offensive tackle position because of that right tackle thing? Do you think it's something where maybe, hey, 
let's draft a guy, maybe develop, because we don't know for sure if Niang is going to be the long-term right tackle. Injury history has obviously already been a problem with him. What are your thoughts on how maybe the Chiefs should attack offensive tackle this offseason? Yeah, and uh, this kind of adds to what we were talking about with Andrew Wiley, and that's another reason to bring him back is, is you know, the the uh, unknown about Niang and how healthy he can stay. Can he be, you know, around for a full season and then some? So, yeah, so that when you look at the the, the available free agents, there are some names um, that I would think about bringing in. But really, I would look at the draft. Um, Daniel Falele is one of those guys that, that could be a right tackle in the NFL. He's a big body guy from Minnesota. Um, and then another later round guy that could add depth and maybe grow into uh, uh, someone is Tyler Vrabel, who and, and the Chiefs love prospects that have ties to coaches coaching's kids you know they brought in McKenzie um one year they brought in uh Kyle Schirmer who's now actually a coach himself but um yeah Tyler Vrabel being Mike Vrabel the head coach of the um former Kansas City Chief himself um you know I think that's someone that you could bring in develop and, and one day maybe be your starting right tackle yeah um so first off with Niang we can't I, I'm going to approach this whole picture this offensive tackle picture like I've got limited resources and pretend like they really are going to focus on defense early. If the draft board falls a certain way, I think they'd take a tackle early, but let's pretend it doesn't. You can't count on Niang necessarily to not, not to be a starter, right? We need to see how that recovery goes. Um, when is he going to get back? When's he going to get his strength back, his legs underneath him? So I think the most you can hope for there is a swing tackle. And if you do get a starter next year out of him, fantastic so uh that's why i'm bringing wiley back and i'm gonna pencil him in at right tackle knowing that it's gonna be harder to get better than him with the resources they're gonna use um as far as developmental uh draft picks uh max mitchell out of louisiana lafayette he was a, a player at the senior bowl six six 300 pounds um he played right tackle so he's used to the position and he's long um Long-term starter, three years, gave up only five sacks over three seasons at, at Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, I think they could look for him in the third, fourth round, and he's not going to be ready to play day one, but he has a lot of potential, um, especially as he gets through an NFL strength program, because really that's the area he probably lacks the most. Yeah, I like the idea of, of drafting a guy maybe later um, and trying to develop him into a Wiley type where you trust him if in a pinch to to play you know, behind, but you're obviously not banking on him being your long-term maybe starter. Although, hey, you never know, man. You know, Some of these late-round guys, they, they just need a chance. They just need time to develop. Offensive line's a weird position sometimes because sometimes, man, you know, you just don't get recognized at the college level, right? You know, you, you play, you know, you just – sometimes you just don't – you know, teams just don't find you because it is kind of hard maybe to scout offensive line in today's NFL with, you know, if you're playing in the wrong college scheme, you know, you, you know, your highlight, you know, your strengths aren't getting highlighted because you're playing in a, a pass heavy offense, even though you're a run stuff or a run blocker, or all that kind of thing. So it's interesting, but I, I do like the idea of maybe drafting a late round guy and seeing if, if you can, because I think Wiley right now is, is now your Remmers, right? Your Mike Remmers, who I think Mike Remmers will probably retire. He's an unrestricted free agent as well, but he's had back issues, kind of like the Mitchell Schwartz thing. I think he's gone. Um, he's not back with the team. And so if Wiley's your Remmers, then now you need another guy to kind of be your Wiley in terms of a versatile that can play tackle, but it's kind of just more of a backup always. Um, but hey, maybe that's Prince Sega will no go too. So it's interesting. It, it is. And so I, I don't think, though, we'll see a free agent offensive tackle uh, veteran get get signed. I feel like that's kind of unlikely at this point. Um, but we'll see. You know, they, they could want some security at right tackle better than Wiley um, for week one of 2022. Let's talk about running back, though, because the only running back of of, Nate, of worth mentioning uh, right now on the roster is Clyde Edwards Hilaire in 2022. All the other guys are free agents. Derek Gore, I think, can get signed maybe to a restricted free agency deal. I'm not sure how that works, honestly. That'd be That'd be a question for our guy Jared, right? Jared Sapp at, at Arrowhead Pride. He's 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 money with the free, you know, how that all that works, the contract stuff. But we actually do have a guy named Brendan Knox on the future reserve deal. But that's the only running backs on the 22 roster right now, guys. Uh, Brian, what you think? I know we talked about whether we should resign sign guys. You wanted to resign Jarek McKinnon, but do you think there could be an avenue here to where they maybe sign another, uh, you know, another kind of Jarek McKinnon deal like we saw last year, where it was, where it's a veteran running back? Or do we see maybe them go running back maybe in the draft later? You know, what, what do you think about running back? I think they'll 
probably sign a couple of vets to one-year deals um, to compliment Clyde. Clyde's still going to be the main guy, and I think he proved that in the playoffs he's kind of got his legs back underneath him looking quick and, and agile. But what I would like to see, in addition to, say, Jarek McKinnon, is maybe a bigger back similar to Daryl, but more explosiveness in terms of the the speed and ability to break off big time runs. And I haven't dug super deep into that free agent class, but I know like a, like a Melvin Gordon type might fit that. Um, and the idea would be, okay, defenses want to play these light boxes and hopefully they're going to run the football more. Let's at least have a back on the roster who's a bigger body and can kind of punish those, those defenders, um, as a game wears on, but I would probably sign to if there's great value late in the draft. Okay, fine. But I'm probably not using a draft pick on the running back position this year. Cause I don't think the class is anything special. Yeah. I probably agree with that talent. I know you wanted to resign both Daryl and Jarek. So are those the only moves you're making at running back or are there any other moves you think you need, we need to make? Um, yeah. If, if Daryl and Jarek aren't going to be around and you want to look at the free agency pool, which I think is the way to go. Uh, man, I, I'm picking up the phone and calling Philip Lindsay's agent and, and bringing this guy in because I think he would fit in almost perfectly to a T with Ooh. what the Chiefs want to accomplish. Um, and I think he would be a great compliment to CEH and, and vice versa. I think those two would, would be great together and, and be a really good two-headed monster. Philip Lindsay uh, has has produced, and he's he's been around a couple of different offenses. So um, I think this would be the perfect landing spot for a guy like Lindsay who's looking for, for you know, just – sustainability and, and a good team around him and somewhere he can really thrive. Dude. I love that poll because I've always thought Philip Lindsay was a very explosive back. Obviously a guy that is going to hit a hole and, and going to go right. And what have we been talking about with this offensive line this year, man, we need a running back. That's going to hit that hole. They just opened up and, and explode through it really just, you know, just, just track speed through that thing. Now, Philip Lindsay's, you know, obviously there's some limitations to his game, but I think one thing he does really well is he gets ahead of steam and he gets going, man, and, and he really hits holes, gets downhill. Never understood really why Denver didn't stick more to him, especially because he was a local kid in Colorado. I I think I think Denver screwed up on that one, even though he really, you know, he went to Houston. It's not like they've they've paid, you know, it's not like they paid for it. And Javante Williams is really good. But I love that poll on Philip Lindsay. I think that'd be a great, uh, a great guy to sign, especially because I can't imagine he demands much as he has not really been on a, you know, on a, in a significant role this last year. And uh, he wasn't really well sought after when he was a free agent last year. So interesting, but we're going to talk about linebacker uh, to wrap up this segment, which is an interesting position, right? Because we got Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, right? And and they're there. And, and those are the two guys we're going to talk about, hopefully for the next three or four years as, as the team's main linebackers, Anthony Hitchens is still on the, on the roster. I think we all, I, I mean, me especially, sometimes I forget that he's not a free agent, that we're all kind of just kind of accepting that they'll probably cut him because Nick Bolton does seem to be able to replace his Mike linebacker role. But Talon, let me throw it to you real quick. So we're talking about linebacker. You have those three guys, and then you also have Darius Harris, you know, a longtime chief. He's been on the team for a few years uh, on a future reserve deal. You have four guys that have been with the team. You have four, you know, uh, guys that I mean, Darius Harris has played in a regular season game, but with kind of some cuts in mind, maybe, or what you think, what, how could the linebacker position get addressed this offseason, or how would you like to see it maybe get addressed? Yeah, you know, <clears throat> I don't think there's going to be a lot of money thrown at it, um, just because you have invested two second round draft picks and Willie Gay and Nick Bolton, and and those are your guys moving forward. So you're just looking for depth and and a third guy that can come in and nickel packages and someone you can trust and um, someone that's not going to be a, a Ben Neiman type. Um, not to throw too much shade, but you know, and Anthony Hitchens is he played well this year, man. He there's nothing against him. He he this is the better, <clears throat> excuse me, the best he's looked in a while. Um, so if maybe he can give you one more year, he's just God, that that's a that's a lot, that's a high figure for for you know, when you guys got Bolton Gay just sitting waiting in, to be the guy. So, um, yeah, I, I you know, I haven't dug a, a ton in, into the the uh, the draft pool. Um, but free agency wise, um, there's a couple veterans out there lingering around that you might bring in that could that could be additions that you don't need to pay a lot. But I think there's there should be some investment in, investment into that room. 
So what I'm going to do at linebacker, I'm really going to let Bolton and Gay take over what they're doing, right? And I'm going to get them both prepared to take the dime role. So whether that means, okay, Bolton's the main guy and Gay's his backup in the dime, or if that means them splitting reps, it's going to be one of those two out there. And then all I'm going to do other than that is I'm going to sign somebody to play the Sam linebacker position and base. Um, not saying I would sign Damian Wilson, but think about what he did. He was a Sam and base and he was capable of playing um, Will and nickel. That's the type of player that I think they need to be looking for just in case you do miss Gay or Bolton for a game injury. Um, that's the kind of player I'm targeting and I'm just kind of leaving it alone after that. I'm not going to invest any more uh, than a cheap one, two year deal at that Sam linebacker. You know, you mentioned Damian Wilson. I mean, that's, not a bad call, honestly, right? I mean, for what they need and a guy that's familiar with the system, um, a guy that's going to hit hard, I think he is a good run defender, honestly. Um, but then you wouldn't have him having to play Will, right? And and that's something where he was able to do it and they kind of, you know, they had a bigger Will duo on the – or a bigger nickel duo on the field because he was able to play Will and, and maybe that helps you against the run. But you don't want him as, as your Will linebacker, especially in today's NFL when you're playing nickel like 70% of the time. Um so, yeah, that's interesting. I, I kind of like that name, honestly. Bring him back. Uh, I, I'm sure, as the listeners have noticed, my audio quality has just gone down. I just had to replace the mic with a charger because I don't know how to charge a laptop properly, and, and it was about to die. So I uh, had to sacrifice something. But uh, we're going to transition now. We're going to finish the show off today. We're always going to talk. We always want to at least take one, you know, five, ten minutes, at least talk some guys we've all been looking at in the draft. We're all watching film. We're all breaking down the film of some guys in the NFL draft this year that we're hoping maybe the Chiefs can grab. Talon, I'm going to throw it to you first. You have a, a defensive player. We're, we, we love talking defense on this pod, apparently, because we, we all we talk is defensive positions, which makes sense, right? I mean, that's what the that's the side of the wall. It's probably going to be uh, focused on more this offseason. Talon, uh, talk about your guy that you're looking at this week. So I am looking at uh, Cameron Thomas, San Diego State Aztec. Um, and, man, when you, when you throw that surname around Kansas City – and you're talking edge rushers, people start to raise some eyebrows and there's some lofty expectations already. And you don't even, you're not even here yet, but um, yeah, Cameron Thomas, I, I like his game a lot. He, he's, uh, he's very uh, active and violent with his hands. He, he's played all along the defensive line in San Diego state. He started out as a three tech um, and, and then toward his progression with the system, he, he, they moved him outside. Um, and that's where he primarily was this past season. This was his first full, full first full season as an edge rusher. Um, and I liked it. You know, he, he was very productive. He had like 20 sacks, um, plenty of tackles for losses. Uh, and he's just, he's a technician, man. He, he doesn't right now. He doesn't have a lot of to steal Brian's phrase here. I love it. He doesn't have a lot of tools in the shed yet in terms of you know, an outside pass rush or, or getting around and, and, and he's tall, he's, he's a taller guy. So if he does allow a tackle too good underneath him, which didn't happen a lot in the mountain West, but if he does, he can get top heavy and lose balance. But again, that just doesn't happen often. But against better competition, uh, higher level uh, talent, we'll see. Um, but I do like the way he gets, uh, he knifes inside with his interior pass rush. He's, he's so quick with his hands and his feet that in his lateral quickness, he's so quick in the phone booth that guards have a really tough time to, to even get hands on him. And then tackles, um, they, they just, they, uh, he, he's so strong and powerful that that he can get in, gets into him and then he's quick enough he can slide off and um they they really didn't have an answer for him all season in the mountain west so um he's someone i'm really intrigued by at the end of that first round yeah i think he he fits what the chiefs want a, a defensive lineman in terms of a guy that can play interior like you mentioned uh, he kind of can play both uh in situations obviously you know a versatile pass rusher a big guy you know we know spags likes his big defensive ends his big defensive lineman in general I like it. I, I like that that call. And, and he's a guy that might fall a little further than he probably should maybe because he did play in the Mountain West. I think NFL teams sometimes overthink it. And, hey, he didn't he didn't play anybody, right? So, you know, oh, we'll let him slide, even though he might show better technique or better, you know, uh, skills maybe than some other guys. And I think that's true for him. I do think there's going to be guys taken ahead of him that might not be as skilled or as, as uh, impressive as him um, from the college tape-wise. So, Good call, uh, Cam. It's always good to get pass rushers, right? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, Brian, you're going the other way, though. You're, you're looking at coverage more. Who do, who are you looking at this week? My guy this week is Roger McCreary, cornerback out of Auburn. Um, one of those players where I spent 
10 minutes watching him and, you know, you just kind of fall in love with his game. And it's especially true in this case because of the fit. Uh, I think day one of his rookie year, he's a starter, um, a solid starter. And watching him, he reminds me a lot of Rashad Fenton. And the way that I would explain that is he's just a, a nagging type of corner. He really frustrates receivers. He's physical. He's always in their hip pocket, and he never makes a catch easy down the field. It's like you can just tell they get agitated playing against him. And uh, interestingly enough, I look in a little deeper. The main knock on McCreary is his physical profile, uh, short arms. Probably, I don't think his speed is bad, but it's not excellent. And so there again, more similarities to Fenton, um, who is also very short in his arm length. But hasn't mattered in college. He spent a lot of time in press coverage, more than most of the top corners in this draft. And um, he also shows inside-out versatility. They played him in the slot, um, on the boundary. Uh, He's capable in run support. Um, It's not like, you know, earth-shattering in terms of his physicality um, with tackling, but he's very capable. And he's really, really good against like wide receiver screens. He, he, he disrupts plays like that super well, which you play a team like the Bengals who like that sort of thing, that could come in handy down the road. Um, he, he's patient on like in-breaking routes, ball arrives. He's not, he doesn't panic. He doesn't tackle the receiver and draw penalties. Um, just super competitive. And I will say I think it'd be more ideal if they could trade back and get him in the 35 to 45 range. Cause I don't know that he's ever going to be elite with, with his limitations physically, but I think he's a guaranteed rock solid starter for four plus years. And uh, if they do lose to various ward, he's going to really round out that position and let them kind of move on uh, without skipping a beat. So big fan of McCreary's game and uh, ball skills, finish all those things. Yeah, no, I like the two guys you picked. I think both really do specifically fit what Spags wants on his defense. I think McCreary, you mentioned how he can blow up wide receiver screens. I mean, shoot, that's what that's all he honestly he probably cares about that more than how well they can cover somebody downfield, right? I mean, he he really values physicality, really got values a guy who can press, not someone who just can physically, but someone who's probably used to it, someone experienced in it. You're right. He de- definitely was used in that way at Auburn. So I think that's a great pull. Uh, and, and yeah, I do see the Fenton comparisons, which Fenton's another SEC corner. He went to he went to South Carolina. Obviously, he was a six round pick. So obviously just wasn't as impressive in college. But obviously he's playing like a guy that was probably taken in the second or first round. I, I think, you know, the way cornerback goes in, in today's NFL, you can't ask for much more than what Fenton's done as, as an as a pro. So uh, I, I think that's a great poll. Great comp. And we're going to stay in the secondary for mine. And I'm going to bring you guys in on this. We'll probably we'll have a little more of a roundtable on this one because um, I have a couple guys that I I I, I first want to really sh- uh, shout out Lewisine, the safety from Georgia. You know, he's more of a deep safety. Played a lot of uh, you know deeper. You know, whether he was the center field cover three guy or he was a split field guy. You know, he he was back there, right? He he has some experience coming up closer to the line of scrimmage, but mostly a free safety type. Um, what I really liked about him was how explosive he was. It does seem like as soon as he reacted to something, he was he was moving, right? He, he it was, There was not a lot of lag time between him reading and reacting and him actually moving, which I really like. I think that's important. I think that's a really that's – a, that's a very important quality in a defensive back, just being able to – especially a safety, I think, being able to, you know, react quickly to the things you're seeing. And I think he did a really good job, you know, a reason why Georgia's defense was so good. But maybe what he lacks maybe is just – his, his coverage ability, just how fluid he is in coverage, how, how, uh, you know, how, how smooth he is changing his hip, turning his hips and kind of changing direction and, you know, kind of, Hey, a route's going this way. Oh shoot. I got to pick up this other route. And, and really, you know, in terms of kind of moving backwards and, and going, I think he's really good moving forward in terms of explosiveness, but maybe moving backwards, there are some issues. And so that's why I wanted to talk also about Jaquan Brisker, a guy, the safety out of Penn state that Talon you actually wanted to talk about. So I want to bring you in on this. Um, at first, I was kind of like, well, let me talk about safety this week. I'll let you talk about Cam Thomas. But um, I, I do think the more I watch Brisker, he kind of has that that change in direction in his, in, you know, and and when he's back as a, as a deeper field guy. He's he's more of a uh, towards the line of scrimmage guy. He definitely played more in the box in college than Scene did. And he kind of is more built, right? He's, he kind of has a bigger build to kind of deal with that. Um, Talon, this is where I'll bring you in because I think I do like Brisker a little more now. I think he's a little more fluid in, in coverage and – 
uh, maybe I'll, I'll sacrifice the how quick he is explosive wise to to have that better coverage ability. Um, what did you like from Brisker? What did you see from him that kind of made you want to talk about him? Yeah, he just he's so put together. Like he he just built like he almost looks like a linebacker playing safety. Yeah. Um, but but really what I like about his game is is the way he plays it. He he reminds me of Tyrant. Uh just the mentality and his in-your-face attitude. And he's not gonna back down from anybody. He likes to get he likes to get scruffy. He likes to he likes to get in your face and, and let people know he's there. Um, that's not necessarily the way, you know, I played the game or I coached the game, but dude, I, you need guys like that in your team. You need guys that are going to have that never back down mentality. And, um, you know, he, he comes from a a community college background. So he's, he's shown that he has that fight in him to, uh, you know, to, to, to make it to the big time and and prove that he belongs in the big time. So I I like Brisker a lot. I would put him a hair behind Daxon Hill. Um, but I like scene too. scene, scene to me, I see Ed Reed in terms of just the way they glide across the field and kind of the way they're put together and um, they got those long arms. And, and I do, I have seen, seen, you know, the way he lays a hit on running backs or a, a guy in coverage reminds me of Reed, but he just unfortunately doesn't have the playmaking skills of a Reed. So, um, but there's a little bit of Ed Reed in him. I love that. Ed Reed. If we get an Ed Reed in this class, oh boy. Uh, no, uh, no, you mentioned Daxon Hill too. That was the first guy you brought up this season, this off season. I, I do think I like Hill better than both these guys. Um, it's going to be tough, though. I, I, I really like Brisker after watching him a lot more because I think you're right. I think he is – he's a bigger build. But like I said, he he he's very fluid in terms of flipping his hips when he's kind of backpedaling or kind of, you know, being that cover three safety um, and just kind of turning, you know, hey, if, if this deep route's, you know, all of a sudden this side, he's staying short and the other side's going vertical. He is so good at flipping around it and just taking it pretty uh, uh, smoothly which at his size is impressive because I think, like you mentioned, man, he, he, he has this build to kind of be a, you know, be able to hold his own in the NFL in terms of physicality, tackling all that. It did seem like scenes. I'm more impressed with scenes willingness to go make a tackle rather than his actual tackling ability. Um, because it does seem like sometimes it, there was a quite a few times, actually scenes flying up and then it ends up in more of a, not actually like a, a solid hit more. He's grabbing the Jersey, maybe, uh, so it is interesting. Scene might just be a guy that, you know, it's just maybe need to dial in a little more, focus in a little more on scene. And then all of a sudden he's a little more developed. He's a better player. But um, Brian, you know, I we didn't ask you to to look at these guys at all. But do you have any takes on either of the, either of these guys here? Yeah, fortunately, I have watched a little bit of both. Starting on scene, um, scheme fit wise, I think is where the problem would come in. And that like day one, I think he makes a lot of sense as more of a box type. And there are defenses out there who implement those type of guys better for Kansas city and Spagnolo. I think he could be basically the Dan Sorensen replacement and do it at a much higher level immediately. But I don't know that that's worth the first round pick, which is where he's probably going to, I mean, maybe early second round. Um, so then it just becomes a matter of value, but I think he could be that dime linebacker that, that Sorensen was and do a little bit of other stuff too, at a much higher level. Um, and Brisker, I, I see a lot of the same things you guys have talked about the instincts. Okay. When you, when you draw parallels to Tyron, um, you need an instinctive player who just makes plays kind of, it seems like on his own sometimes, and he just sees things, um, quicker than the other guys on the field. It, it would be fun to add a young DB like that to Bolton, who is definitely uh, that way. I think Sneed's really instinctive. So a young safety who can do those things, uh, that could make this defense yeah, a lot better with the, with the playmaking aspect, turnovers, things of that nature. Yeah, no, exactly. And, and you mentioned it there is that, you know, there needs to be a type of safety they bring in, right? If they want to get a starting caliber safety, you know, Juan Thornhill, he, he, he should be a starter in 2022. Um, even if, you know, we're not, even if he's not a long-term starter in anyone's minds, because I do think he hasn't proven that yet, he will be a starter in 2022. And he is more of a deep field guy, more of a free safety type than, than a slot guy or a box guy. I think we all know that. Although I do think Juan is, has impressed me the most in terms of, um, coming up and making tackles. I think he's gotten really good at that. I, I feel like he wasn't that good at it in his rookie year, but I do think now he's he's gotten pretty good at coming up and delivering a big hit, which I like to see, but I don't think that necessarily translates to him being a box safety. I still think he's more of a deep type. And so they may need to think about, hey, 
And that's why Dax and Noah, I think, makes sense because I think he'd be more of a strong safety type where he is closer to the line of scrimmage where Tyron was. And I think Brisker also could be that. But And you mentioned seeing being a box guy. I think he could be that too. But in college, he was more experienced as a deep guy, a deep field guy. And and that might be more what Thornhill's lane is. So they got to factor that in too. But yeah, so that's the draft talk. That's the AP draft room. Um, fellas, uh, you know, uh, this was a good show, I think. Um, we talked about, you know, quite a few draft prospects there towards the end. We're getting more going, guys, in terms of we're going to, you know, get more top tens out on the site, be looking for those. Um, each position before the combine, we really want to make sure we got all the, pre- pre- you know, important positions previewed. And then after the combine, man, we're going to be hitting these individual draft prospects pretty hard in terms of film reviews, in terms of we're going to, you know, get the AP film room going back up. We actually might make that a live thing uh, this offseason where you guys can join us and, and talk with us in the chat as we go through the film room stuff. Um, but we'll let you guys know on all that kind of stuff. I'm wrapping it up here, guys. Uh, I would let you say something, but let's just get out of here. Let's go enjoy the Super Bowl. Wink, wink. Um, we're not actually going to enjoy it too much, but... Uh, For Talon, for Brian, uh, I'm Ron. Appreciate you guys listening. And uh, next week, we'll be right here back at it and talking more draft, talking more offseason.